This is episode 213 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know, if you're pregnant and want step-by-step guidance on how to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, how to prepare mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing, how to have your partner feel confident to support you during birth, and how to navigate a smoother postpartum recovery, my Bump to Birth Method online program is available for you to join. It's three programs in one, covering pregnancy, birth prep, and postpartum recovery, plus you get lifetime access to the program content and bonuses. Bump to Birth Method is my on-demand, self-paced online program where you can learn from the comfort of your own home through video and audio lessons on how to best connect to your pelvic floor and core in pregnancy beyond traditional Kegels, strategies to help common pregnancy pains and pelvic floor symptoms, my top strategies to prepare your mind, body, and pelvic floor for labor, how to best support you and your pelvic floor during pushing, key strategies for your partner to support you during labor, and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, three strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum recovery. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're ready to have less pain and pelvic floor symptoms in pregnancy, feel fully prepared mentally and physically for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing and how to navigate your first six weeks postpartum recovery then head to the show notes or go to bumptobirthmethod.com to see what other expecting moms have said about Bump to Birth and to enroll today. Welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And on today's episode, I have a very special guest, Surabi Vich, joining me to talk all about different aspects of postpartum. So including how to make movement and exercise, especially in that first year postpartum, successful and sustainable. So Jess and I have done a number of episodes discussing postpartum recovery and return to exercise. And we're always wanting to continue this conversation and have special guests on to share their perspective and their knowledge. So if you don't know Surabi, she is a physiotherapist, a pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach, a mama of two, and the owner of The Passionate Physio. As a long-term lover of movement, she is passionate about helping moms trust and gain confidence in their bodies while navigating common symptoms like pain, leaks, abdominal separation, or pelvic organ prolapse. Surabi supports clients through online options, so individual physio and coaching, as well as small group programs like PrEP and BASE, which she'll share more about those two today. And she really embodies intentional and sustainable movement habits for lifelong fitness and is courageous in the pursuit of choosing herself. She also loves hosting her podcast, Mom Strength, and showcases just how strong mothers are inside and out. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I, first of all, love that intro. It's so rare to hear ourselves being talked about by other people. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I'm so honored to be on this amazing podcast. And thank you for everything that you and Jess do in our pregnancy and postpartum field. Yeah, thank you. And it's so great. And people who don't know, we met over Instagram. I am very grateful for that platform because you just connect with so many people in the community, but also other professionals. We only live a couple hours away, but 
unless we ran into each other at a physio course, we may have never met. It's so true. Yeah, it's kind it. of incredible. Cause I'm like, I didn't really remember that I've never met you in person. Yeah, I know, but it kind <laughs> but of, I feel like, like I know you because of social media, right? It's pretty incredible. Yeah. So let's jump in, in terms of, so what led you to really focusing to work with postpartum clients? So it was my own postpartum experience, I think, which is pretty common for many people. So my first pregnancy was really incredibly hard and I was not prepared for that. I was nauseous all the time, but it was also a very big mental and emotional challenge in my life. It was the first time in my life that I was actually forced to like, look at my, my own life, my own childhood, my own history and start to kind of process some of those feelings, those big feelings of hurt or trauma or feelings of like insecurity. And it was all kind of thrown into me during my first pregnancy. So on top of the fatigue and the nausea, I had this like mental and emotional stress. My job at the time was very stressful and we were moving and we were living with my parents for seven weeks while our condo was being renovated. And so there was just a lot going on that was like the perfect recipe for um, anxiety and stress. And I also wasn't allowed to physically exercise because I had some complications during my pregnancy. I had unexplained bleeding. So it was just, and these are all things that couldn't have been predicted. And I had anticipated a fit pregnancy, right? I was like, yeah, I exercise all the time. And I obviously should be able to exercise during pregnancy. And I just wasn't able to. And then while I was finally clear to exercise, I was closer to 30 weeks. And at that point, I was terrified to have anything go wrong in the pregnancy that I was like, I'm not going to start anything right now. And so during that pregnancy was the least fit, least most deconditioned I've ever been in my life. And so heading into postpartum, I was completely out of shape. And I'm not talking about like an aesthetic thing, but physically and how I felt, I was very frail. Like I had lost all of my muscle and then I had, and I'd, I'd done a lot of birth prep and my birth was amazing. Like it was perfect. It was the way I had dreamed. I had a home birth. Um, I didn't experience any tearing. I thought overall it went so well. And then I had my purse first, uh, pelvic floor physiotherapy appointment at about seven weeks postpartum. And then I was diagnosed with prolapse. And it's very interesting because until that point, I didn't think I was doing that bad. I knew I was fatigued and weak and stuff, but I, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing too bad. I had a great birth experience, but then that diagnosis completely mentally like destroyed me. Went home. I went down the rabbit hole of like YouTube or Googling what it was, what, what it was about and the risks and you know, I had a headed into pregnancy being a runner, cross country ski athlete. I used to cycle, I used to rock climb. And now I was scared to do any of that. And also the conversations, and this was again, back in 2018. And there has been a lot of progress even since then and understanding about prolapse and about diastasis and education and understanding. And back then it was a little bit more cautious. So I was told that yes, running may be a risk. Um, in worsening your symptoms. So I didn't run. I didn't jump. I didn't get back to anything that I wanted to do. And it wasn't until my second pregnancy that I started to, because I was, my second pregnancy was during COVID and I was at home a lot more. I was on social media a lot more. And that actually opened my eyes so much to the world of pregnancy and postpartum. That's empowering. That's not limiting. That actually shows moms their strength and their, their ability, their body's ability to heal. Um, and I started learning a lot more. I started taking courses. I did Brianna Battles pregnancy and postpartum certification. I did Anthony Lowe's course. I did a lot of just webinars and stuff and reading. And I started to realize that all of the things that I had learned through my education in orthopedic physiotherapy can be applied to pelvic health. And we have been looking at pelvic health as if it's a separate entity, right? Like as if we're just walking pelvises. And so I was like, there's this huge missing component of like drawing the bridge between pelvic health and sports and orthopedics and just movement in general. And I wanted to help bridge that gap for all of my pregnant or, and postpartum active mamas. So they're not, they're not necessarily professional athletes, but everyone I work with used to be active and then pregnancy hit or postpartum hit, and that's removed their ability to do the things that they want to do at the level that they wanted to do. And I want to help that 
help them bridge that gap um, the way I did and the way that so many people are able to do. Yeah, so no. that's, that's what kind of got me interested in this field. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, that's fantastic. And I know, obviously, your Instagram name, The Passionate Physio, it resonates, right, with so many people of like, a lot of physios, that's why they get into certain aspects is because they've experienced something and become very passionate about it. And I totally agree with you. I think when it comes to pelvic health, even from the start, because I was ortho for a number of years and then added pelvic, but I've never liked the fact that it's talked about separate. I'm like, pelvic is ortho. It is internally it absolutely is. like yeah. there's an it's internal ortho and you have to look at the whole body holistically. Like if you just look at the pelvis, like there's no other injury, right? In physio that we would no. ever just isolate just the shoulder. No, no, we would be looking above below like the whole body mechanics, right? So I love that you brought that all together because it's just so, so key for people to know and to even hear your experience, right? Because you had been a physio. And Mm -hmm. we're shocked by your postpartum experience. And then now with so much knowledge behind you of like being, being able to help so many others, it's like your clients are so lucky to work with you. Thank you. And I, I honestly, part of it is I have been there and I remember the day I gave birth, I got out of bed and I was like grossly disgusted by my abdomen. I knew what diastasis recti was, but you see it like weeks after, like a fresh diastasis. I literally had a cone falling out of my abdomen and I lost my baby weight or whatever you want to call it. I went back to my old pre-pregnancy weight the day after I gave birth. That was genetics. That's all it was. And I also remember I was so nauseous. I didn't gain much during pregnancy because I wasn't able to eat the way that I should have. And so, you know, my abs are flat, quote unquote, but my skin is hanging. I have a cone of like internal organs that are pushing through that diastasis and it was not what I expected. And so even with the rehab of my diastasis, there was a lot of fear around making it worse and not adding enough load, not adding enough challenge to, in in order to get back to the goals that I wanted to get back to. And so I went from being very active to being very sedentary. And we know that that has a huge mental health component to it as well, because if you're used to a certain level of activity and that's part of your identity and that's removed from you, you're going to notice your mental health also struggling or many people do. And so I like to really look at people in a holistic or whole person approach, because a lot of the times pregnancy and postpartum people are seen as like, okay, you're pregnant. So you're going to do these exercises. You're going to need to prepare this way. Okay. You're postpartum. Now you're going to need to do these exercises and you're going to need to learn how to lift your car seat and do this and do that. But like, let's step back and look at the person in their entirety of their experience and what they've just like, they've gained an entire new responsibility and role. They're a whole new person reborn. And we need to support people through that from an entire kind of physical and mental and emotional perspective. And we're not the only person to do that. We're not the only person on their team, but we need to be able to recognize what other help they may need. Maybe they need a nutrition, like a dietitian or a naturopath or a mental health therapist. So I really like to both use my personal experience and also what I've seen in clinic like you, I was doing orthopedics for many years, about nine years before I, and I still do orthopedics, but I, it's a combination. But I used to see bums in their fifties, late forties, fifties, and they had been sedentary and in chronic back pain, neck pain, knee pain. And when you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I used to, I used to play soccer. I used to do dance. I used to be a gymnast. And it was surprising to me because I was like, really? Like you seem so sedentary. And this was like old me before I had kids. And I was like, what, what's going on? Is it like, um, lack of motivation, right? But we know that that's not lack of motivation. It's lack of support. And I really want to make that distinction is when moms, when people are not supported to do what they need to be doing, they want to be doing, it's very difficult to like mind over matter it or motivate yourself to do it. And the support has to come from multiple angles, like family support is huge, community support, cultural support. And then as practitioners, healthcare practitioners, how are we best supporting our clients to achieve their goals, right? So these are some of the things that I'm very passionate about. And I don't do internal pelvic physiotherapy. I work actually all virtually, which works really well for my my clients who want to be active and 
want to also feel in control over their own progress and want to feel empowered in like their ability to manage their own symptoms and understand their own bodies. And I really see a huge, like you said, pelvic floor does not exist on its own. It's a one part of the body and we need to treat it as that. Yeah, exactly. I love how you shared like your own experience uh, postpartum with your first. How was it in terms of your second postpartum experience? Because you had gained knowledge kind of in between those. How was second time around different for you? In every single way, it was easier. I think a big part of it, to be honest, is my second pregnancy was easier because it was during COVID. It was actually a blessing for me. The first three months, I was nauseous, but it wasn't as bad as my first. And as I was about 10 weeks pregnant, COVID hit and the clinics closed. So I was at home and the stress of like commuting and trying to eat while I was nauseous, all of that was a little bit better because I was at home and I had the freedom to eat snack all day. I had the freedom to nap when I needed to. I had a toddler at the time at home, but my husband was also working from home. So I had support. And throughout that pregnancy, I ate in a way that I, that nourished my body because that also makes a big difference during pregnancy and postpartum. And my, my birth was, again, I had an even better birth experience. I thought my first was great. My second was even better. And I had a lot of tailbone pain postpartum and it was different. I had more pain during my second pregnancy, more pelvic pain, more pressure, but I wasn't scared of it this time. I understood why it was there and I understood what to do about it. And I think that people fear pain when they don't understand it. They don't understand how to control or change it. We may not be able to fully resolve every symptom during pregnancy or postpartum, but if we have that feeling of control over, okay, here are some action, actually, here's my action plan. I can do some breath work. I can do some mobility. I can use a pessary. I can use these devices or these strategies and exercises to help. I think it goes a long way. So my second experience, I had a diastasis again. I don't think my prolapse worsened. I didn't have any symptoms. I haven't had any prolapse symptoms postpartum, which is a blessing. And partially, I think I wasn't stressed about it. I I think fear plays a huge role in, uh, anxiety plays a huge role into prolapse symptoms. And I know that if you're more worried about it, you're going to feel it more. I have people DMing me all the time on Instagram saying, it wasn't so bad until I got the diagnosis, Right. And I really think that early diagnosis of things like prolapse or diastasis isn't that helpful because we know that we're going to heal at six weeks postpartum and that we're still in the early, early phases. So really, instead of labeling people of like, okay, this is what you have. This is, you know, all of your list, laundry list of problems. I like to approach it as like, here's how you can support your body in healing because your body's so good at doing healing on its own, but like, let's help it out by doing this, this, and this. Um, and that's what I did for myself. I took the pressure off of like doing any of the extra work around the house. I really have just focused on my physical mental health and like being a mom. Right. And I think a second time mom, you have a bit of perspective. My first time I was, I felt so much pressure. And to be honest, the pressure was from myself on like being a certain type of mom, right? Like every holiday had to be perfect. Every baby photo, every milestone had to be photographed for like, <laughs> you know, an hour photo shoot. And like, I had to take her to everything. And I'm like, babies don't really care about going to the zoo. Like you can take them when they're older. Like They don't care about sitting on Santa's lap. Like they don't have to do every single thing. And so my second time around, we've just been like, going to the park and playing at home and doing less. And so that's one piece of advice that I have for moms who feel the pressure to do a lot is start to take that pressure off of yourself because it doesn't help you heal physically when you're so busy that your body's not, that you're not eating regularly, that you're not sleeping enough, that you're not resting enough. Um, If you don't have time for exercise, what can you remove from your schedule in order to make space and time for exercise? Um, and the things that really help you physically and mental, mentally. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's such good advice. And kind of how you were saying about like diagnosis and how that can send people spiraling. And I think it's one of those things of like, the education has to go hand in hand, because I find there is so many ways it could go, right? Like some people feel like, oh, I have, um, I've got heaviness, I have this bulgy feeling, and they might see a certain health professional, they're like, no, it's nothing. You're fine. And they're like, yeah, but I have these symptoms. Like, I'm not just going to ignore them. 
But then it can go the other way too, where it's like you get the diagnosis, but zero education and that's not helpful. So it's like that in between, right? Of like, it absolutely is. And that there's how you're saying like support and like hope and this idea of like, but things can get better. And this is how you can support your body. I think is what clients find like the biggest help, right? Of like, okay, this is what's going on, but like, these are the steps we can take together to get you back to all the activities that your clients want to get back to, right? It's, it's very empowering, like as a practitioner, but out like, as like a client, it's so exciting. And also understanding that what, how you feel at any given point in your life is not how you'll always feel right? Like it's a common sense thing, but people need to be reminded that because when you're in extreme sleep deprivation, your cognitive abilities are restricted. Like you're not thinking clearly, you're very emotional. And I think a lot of it is blamed on the mom and her like mindset and this and that. But like, ultimately I I want people to know that if you're sleep deprived and you're exhausted, of course, you're going to feel negatively about certain situations in your life, including your symptoms. But I want you to know you're not always going to feel like that. You will not be sleep deprived one day. You will sleep again. You will, you know, be better at asking for help. You will make it clear your boundaries. Like all of those things are a process and it takes time. So don't compare yourself if you're a first time mom to somebody who's had two, three, four kids who's already started to figure out those things and is better able to get there. Because like, I wish somebody had told me like, yes, this sucks. Like these symptoms are terrible, but it doesn't mean you have to give up running. Like, of course you're going to get back to this. And you know, what was really helpful for me is I took Anthony Lowe's, um, the female athlete course level one, when I was five weeks postpartum with Rohan, my second. And I was like, why am I signing up for this right now? But I'm like, well, I have help and like, it's easier when they're younger before they start moving. So I did it. And I'm so glad that I did because he was, he was like, Hey, you're early postpartum. You want to try jumping? And I had not jumped in years. Like I had literally, I would like, if I had to chase after my toddler, I wouldn't run. Like I was so restrictive and I jumped and I was like, let's just try it. Like I'm on, I'm on a course. This could be a learning experience. And I felt fine. And then he's like, you look a little tense doing it, you know, just, just jump. And I was so rigid at first, right? Cause I hadn't, it was not a natural movement pattern. And so I jumped again. And like the day, like, as soon as the course ended, I like cried. Cause I felt this huge emotional rush from like all of these negative self-beliefs of and limiting self-beliefs. And partly it was my own self-beliefs, but also what I had learned from my pelvic PT and what I had learned from the information that I had at that time when I had my first. And so to know that like, oh my gosh, there's hope. Like I am not as bad as I thought it was. And there are strategies that I can take to get to my goals. And so I started this business, my business, the passion of physio while I was going through all of this myself. And I think that that was really, and I shared a lot of this too, is like, when I remember sharing the post about like jumping for the first time and people were like, oh, wow. Like I have prolapse too. You think I can do this? And I'm like, you can work up to anything that your goals will, you know, that, that you want to, and there are strategies to help like pessaries or, um, there's so many ways that we can help essentially. And nobody is humans are have evolved to have babies and it wouldn't make sense for us to evolve, to have babies and then just be limited for the rest of our lives. Like that does not make sense. It makes sense that we would have children, maybe have an interruption of our regular activities and then be able to get back to that. And so I think reminding ourselves that like, we're a lot stronger and more capable than society has led us to believe. Like as females, we are like the image of women are like weak and fragile and like needing a man's help for everything. But like the woman's postpartum body is truly very powerful. And we need to remind ourselves of that power in order to just have that opinion of ourselves that we are strong and that we are capable. I love it. And I think what's so interesting, and you might have experienced this yourself, or I know your clients have too, is sometimes pre-pregnancy, unless you had an injury of some sort, like we aren't as aware of our body. Postpartum, you go through recovery, maybe some rehab, all those things. I have clients who feel better running postpartum than they ever did pre-pregnancy because of how much more 
awareness they have, their body, their breath, um, strategies. Like I find that so exciting. You could actually feel better doing certain activities postpartum from the journey that you've gone through. Absolutely. And I think that I actually think pregnancy is a great reset. So whether you're a pro athlete or whether you were super sedentary before you had kids, pregnancy and postpartum kind of puts everybody on the same playing field. Of course, we know that like people who are super, you know, Olympic athletes are going to recover faster, most likely, but everyone has to do the work right from the basics. And when I have my my prep, which is my postpartum return to exercise program. Some people have never exercised and some people are like, yeah, I used to figure skate competitively. I used to run and I want to get back to those things. And they all benefit from the same program. And of course, within that program, I give varying levels of difficulty depending on what each person is ready for. And I find it incredible because I have people who are like, yeah, deadlifts used to hurt me before I had kids. And now I can do like single leg deadlifts and my back doesn't hurt. And I can run and I feel stronger. My knee used to hurt running and now it doesn't anymore because they've done, like you said, that groundwork, that foundational work, that's kind of boring sometimes, but so essential. Like I like to make it fun in the sense of like, make it work for what you like, because not everyone's going to like every exercise and it's okay to not have to do clamshells if you don't like it. Or if you don't want to do deadlifts, don't. There are other ways to strengthen your glutes. There's other ways to strengthen your body. You don't have to do any one thing. Um, And it allows people that freedom of choice at a time in their lives where there's so little control. Because I think postpartum, even more so in like more so than pregnancy, postpartum, you have like no control over so many things. Your baby's crying. You know, if you're breastfeeding, your latch might be painful. You're bleeding. Like all of these things happen. And let's give the postpartum person a bit more control over their lives. And I think that that can be very empowering too. Yeah. And I think it's like how you said, like if, if people just know why some of the exercises that are not the most exciting, why they're doing them. Like we, as human beings, we are motivated by certain things. So if like your goal is to get back to running and your coach, your physio says like, this is the grounding, the, the grounding, the foundation. Like if we start here, but I'm going to show you the steps. And then at the end of this is you're running. So I just find that's big versus if someone's just given a bunch of exercises and they have no idea why they're doing them. It makes sense that people won't necessarily carry them out. Exactly. Yeah. And I have, I, I had a friend on my podcast. I think, you know, her Ashley, Melissa. Um, and it was so funny because she, we, we were talking about this last last summer. I'm like, what year are we in? When I was <laughs> pregnant with my second, we were both like during COVID at home and we're not motivated to work out. Right. And we both had prolapse symptoms and we're like, okay, we, we, we know that this stuff will work, but we were so just not into it. And I think we were, we've talked since, but like a lot of the times we don't understand why and what it's going to progress to. So the hardest exercise I was given during my first experience recovering postpartum was monster walks. Like that's not going to help me run or cross country ski without pain or not even pain leaks. Right. And so like a standard postpartum exercise, you know, exercises, sorry, is not going to be enough. You have to understand the person and their goal. And I think I really like the way I work with my clients, I really get to know them. Like, who are they? What do they want? Like what drives them? What are the activities that they like to do? What is their support system like? And yes, it's like a lot of talking and people sometimes are like, oh, I didn't expect you to ask about my mental health. I ask it in the intake form because I want people to know that these things matter. And it's so easy. Like diet culture is like, do these exercises and you'll get your six pack. It'll fix your diastasis, fix everything. First of all, you're not broken. A diastasis recti is a normal adaptation, you know, it, it's kind of even reframing the language we're using. And also it's not just about the workouts. It's also about everything else that helps us heal. And as physiotherapists, I think that we are excellent practitioners to do that kind of coaching with our clients because we understand the big picture and we understand the interrelationship between nutrition and you know sleep and all of the other components um, and can make the referrals you know, as people need. Yeah, exactly. And it's clear as we're talking, but also from your Instagram, from your mom strength podcast, that like movement 
is a really important part of life for you. And so I'd love for you to share, like, what are your favorite ways, you know, to get movement in and does it actually always look structured? That's a like fantastic question. And I love talking about that movement to me is a part of my life. Like you said, and movement is every day. It's like brushing my teeth. We brush our teeth every day. It's like basic routine. Movement is like that for me. I don't think about it as like, oh, I got to do my workout because if I don't want to do my workout, I don't feel negative or guilty. I just do something else that's movement. So whether that's going for a walk, climbing up and down the stairs instead of taking the elevator or like doing 10 squats, right? And I think that postpartum, especially, we need to take the pressure off of what fitness looks like because people are so stuck in their heads of like, fitness has to be that 45 minute boot camp that I used to do. And it's not going to be that postpartum. And if you, that's the only message that you're telling yourself, you're going to be setting yourself up for failure instead of success. So instead of saying that's the only workout that counts, set yourself up for success. You get to define what movement means to you. For me, movement is anything intentional. So going for a walk to pick up groceries isn't intentional, but if I think about it as intentional movement, suddenly it's intentional exercise or movement. Um, When I go to the park with my kids, that's the best way for me to get movement intentionally is doing some step-ups off the bench, doing some push-ups on the bench, hanging from the monkey bars and working on some core exercises, leg lifts, you know, even doing the monkey bars, all of those things are playful. They're fun. They show your kids that you're also strong and active. You don't have to sit on the sidelines watching them play because it's fun. Right. And I think sometimes as mothers, especially we get used to like chit-chatting with the other mom on the thing. And I always say this, I actually dread those conversations because I don't like small talk. And what am I going to say this to a stranger? We're going to complain about how like tired we are. Like that's not an exciting conversation to me. I would rather like do something for my body that's actually going to help. And I'm very different in that way. And I know that there's other moms like that out there, but they might just not be at the local parks that I go to. But yeah, I love cross-country skiing in the winter and downhill skiing a little bit too. In the summers, I like um, cycling and running a little bit. I prefer cycling. Uh, And I love rock climbing as well. And all of these activities take time. So I'm not able to do them all now as much as I'd like to because of having young kids. I have a one and a three and a half year old. So I choose to do a lot of strength training at home instead. And I actually love strength training. I think that every woman or female identifying person can benefit, actually everyone, male, female, non-binary people can benefit from, from strength training. But particularly if you're postpartum, you've lost so much of strength. Let's try to get that back. Let's try to build the muscle mass. Let's try to maintain bone mineral density. Um, And these are all not sexy things to think about. People aren't like sold on that, right? They're not like, Ooh, when I'm 60, I really want to have good bone density. This is stuff we think about, but I think we need to help people exercise based on their own whys. Maybe they want to exercise for their mental health. Maybe so that they don't lose their cool with their kids. Whatever reason it is for them, I want to help them do that. And the way I embody it is, I think a lot of people find it really approachable because I'm not one of those people who's going to like post a daily 45 minute workout and say like, no excuses. Cause I don't do that. I do usually one intentional, like full workout a week. And then otherwise it's like 10 minute chunks here and there. I might do like an upper body set and then a lower body set, or just do like floor work and quote unquote core and glutes work. Right. And my kids are usually around and they're involved. They, and that's okay. Do I enjoy that more than I enjoy working out by myself? No, but it doesn't matter because it's what's realistic. And that's, what's sustainable for me right now. If I'm not one of those people who's going to wake up at 4am and set aside like an extra morning, an hour in my morning routine, And I know that that works for some people, but I don't think it works for most people. And that actually adds more stress to their lives. And it's not sustainable because what happens when your kids are sick or when school closures happen, I want your fitness to be sustainable regardless of what's going on in your life. So if your kids are sick, how can you make movement work for you? Even when they're sick, can you hold on to them and do some squats? Can you crawl around on the floor with them to make them laugh? Like that all counts. Um, And I, this year I have been able to do things like box jumps at the highest level that I've ever been able to do even before kids. 
I've been able to do things working up to things like push-ups, which are still really, really hard for me. And again, this pre-baby, I could do like no problem. So I'm not quite back where I was before, but I know I'm going to get there through consistent work and sleep. That's the other component is once people start sleeping for seven to nine hours through the night, we do start to see um, energy changes, strength gains, um, everything just starts to feel better when you're sleeping consistently. And you, you've had young kids. I mean, yours are still young. Hopefully you're getting sleep, consistent sleep, but I'm not there yet. And my son is 14 months postpartum. So I know how it felt last time. And I know that once she started sleeping through the night without waking for feeds, I suddenly had way more energy. And I want to remind moms that like, that's going to happen because sleep is a part of our lives. That's where we recover. That's where we repair. Um, and it's needed for us to feel optimal. So, yeah, I think sleep is so often forgotten. Like I do find, especially that first year postpartum when clients say like symptoms have come back or, and we kind of go through, okay, let's go through things. They're like, I didn't do any, there was no specific event, but then we start talking about sleep and like, and I bring that up and I'm like, you've slept like two hour chunks for the last week because baby's going through a progression, regression, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, and people are like, oh my gosh, I, that, that makes sense. And it's true. And yes, my, my youngest just turned three. My oldest is about to turn six and yes, sleep does come back, but I totally know what that feels like just being in it. And you kind of look back and like, how did you accomplish those things? And I remember just being like it, adrenaline, like just, adrenaline. you just go and you go. And, and yeah. I think that's especially why, and that's, I know that from my first experience. So I have a bit of perspective. If you're a first time parent, you don't have mm-hmm. perspective yet. Maybe unless you grew up with a lot of like siblings who had kids or a lot of other kids around you and your family, but you may not have had that perspective yet. And it takes time to get there. But one mm-hmm. thing that I will say is when, some of the pillars of your health are lower or that are, are disrupted, like sleep. What can you do to boost the other pillars of health, whether it is nutrition, whether it's, you know, getting adequate movement, fresh air, exercise, whatever else that helps you. And I think that that's something that I really like to talk about, to give people control again. There's a lot of lack of control, especially for our type A people who are um, more anxious about the lack of you know, about the sleep and this and that, or baby's not gaining enough weight because they're not eating as well. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. If you're a parent that has a child in NICU, that also adds a huge level of stress to your life. So what can you do that boosts the other pillars so that you're not as burnt out, not as overwhelmed or exhausted, right? Exactly. And I think those were so many mindset shifts that I think for anyone listening, whether you're pregnant and you're about to be postpartum for the first time, or maybe you're in it, you're in that fourth trimester, but also for that year and beyond. So really, you may want to go back and listen to what sort of be just said again, and like review this episode, because I think there's so many key shifts that are so important. You'll look at movement different postpartum. And I know a lot of my pregnant clients, like I go through it in pregnancy, but I know it won't really totally make sense till they're in it. And they're like, Oh, this is, this is what you were talking about. I'm like, yeah, but you're prepared. You at least know, okay, this is common and we can, we can work through this. They've heard it before, but sometimes it doesn't really stick till you're in it. Exactly. During pregnancy. That's the thing. Sometimes I, I hear this messaging that like, why didn't anyone tell me? And I'm like, even if someone told you, it doesn't mean it's going to be any easier. So Mm -hmm. for example, if someone was like, oh, you're going to be sleep deprived. Okay. But that doesn't mean anything to me until I am sleep deprived until it's three in the morning and my baby's been up for two hours and isn't sleeping. And I just want to pull my hair out. Right. Now there's more support for the fourth trimester, right? We talk about it a lot more, but I actually think personally, for both my, my experiences, the fourth trimester was super hard, especially my first time around, but it's actually harder now because I have been now even longer sleep deprived. So instead of being only sleep deprived for three, four months, now it's been a year plus. So your adrenaline starts to taper off after a while, right? Your survival mode starts to go because your body's not going to survive like that for long. So especially now when I'm like, 
a year postpartum, I really need to be mindful of eating regularly, which is something that I often forget about, which is why I'm like, what, do whatever it takes, convenient, make it convenient, make it doable so that you're surviving and thriving. You're not just like, oh, I, I can only eat if it's this gourmet, like beautiful meal. Make your life easier. Have a protein bar. Like, you know, don't, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And one year postpartum is still early in the grand scheme of life, right? It's still quite early on. We can't expect us to be fully back to everything. And some people are. And I think that we see a lot of that because we're going to post our like our, our good stuff. I'm going to post when I complete that box jump. I mean, I did share my working up to it, but people don't necessarily remember that. They remember the end results, right? They see somebody doing a cartwheel. They see someone doing a push-up, and they're like, wow. But they may not see that process that it took them to get there. So it's less relevant to me. That comparison to anyone else does not matter. It doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. You focus on your own situation, how you can best support yourself in, in that moment. Um, and it's going to vary every single week, every single day, even what you need to today may be different than what you need a week from now. Um, and it's a constant like self-reflection and evaluation of like, okay, Sunday night, this week is coming up. I have these meetings. I have these clients. Um, I probably will need my mom's help with lunch on this day. Like I'm planning ahead. Right. And I'm asking for help, which my first time around, I, I had too big an ego to ask for that help. I thought I should be able to do it myself because I saw a lot of my friends doing it themselves. What I didn't see was that my friends were stressed and anxious themselves. Right. It's like we, when we start looking at each other as just other humans, we start to see that like, no one has anything figured out. We're all trying to figure it out as we go. And it's a learning curve. It's a learning process. And I think you could probably, I mean, you have a little bit of older kids and you're probably still figuring it out. It's kind of beautiful in that, in that way is it's not like a check mark that you're trying to achieve. It's not like, yep, I've got self-care figured out. I've got exercise figured out. It's ongoing for the rest of our lives. It totally is. And I, I do think we, we both as physios get also a different perspective that I really try to pass on to clients is like, we see so many clients during this time. And I started in this before I had my first. So like, I think that has also helped in my experience. But then I tell clients, I'm like, you are not the only one. Like, I've already seen three people today and we've had this discussion. And they're like, really? And I'm like, it's because no one talks about it. And how you were saying about comparison, like, you might see someone running at six weeks postpartum, but like, do you know how they're feeling? Like you mentioned, like the mental health side, and there's also the physical side, like you don't know physically, actually, are they feeling great running at six weeks? Or maybe they're not. So I think that's such great advice you gave about just, you almost need to put the blinders on a bit and not compare yourself to anyone else, because you really don't know what's what's going on, especially on Instagram, but behind that Instagram picture, that video, you don't really know how that person feels. And I find that the comparison is often worse with people, you know, like I've had clients being like, Oh, my sister-in-law just gave birth and like bounced back versus like someone you don't know on social media. You're like, okay, they're different. Right. But it's like your own family and friends. I, my relationships have changed drastically since I had kids. Like I don't, talk to all of the same friends that I used to talk to before, because they're not adding value positively to my life. And I, I say that with, you know, the kindest heart and the best of intentions, but be really strong about your boundaries. You're raising children and you don't want to bring that negative energy into your life when you're also influencing your children's lives. And I think sometimes, and that may be family too. Like it may mean cutting down on visits to certain family members or certain friends and it doesn't have to be like a huge breakup, like song about it, but like really just reprioritize your energies and like write down what, what is most important to you. And if it's things like movement and all of your friends are not extra interested in exercise, can you find a community that supports you in that? Because I think that's very powerful is if all of my friends just want to hang out and meet at a restaurant for dinner, when we hang out versus like, maybe some of my friends want to go rock climbing. Or maybe some of my friends want to go for a hike and those are my values. So I'm going to probably hang out with those friends more. And I think that when we're younger, we're stuck with the friends that we have in our schools or in, the, in our immediate environment, but we're adults now and we can choose who we want to really allow to enter our lives. And I'm very, very protective of that now. And I, 
I can, I can tell you my mental health is so much better because I just, I don't need negativity in my life. That's unnecessary. I love that. And I feel like it's been so many pieces of advice from you on the podcast, but I'm wondering, do you have one specific thing for listeners who are pregnant, but also someone who is in that first year postpartum, what piece of advice would you give each of them? If you're pregnant, I want you to know that you've got this simple, repeat it to yourself and just say, I've got this. Yes. You might be nauseous. You might be exhausted, but you've got this. You're not alone in what you're experiencing and you can, you can get through it. And, um, that was my mantra during labor. I was like, any negative thought entered my head. I would just replace it with, I've got this. And it was so powerful. It was really, really powerful in both of my births, especially because I wanted to have unmedicated births. And I was fortunate that I was able to, and I had home births for both. So, and I think you did as as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think mindset does play a huge role into all of that. And then for postpartum, I'm going to say, ask for help. You're not alone. Nobody's ever alone in what you're feeling. If you have anxiety, intrusive thoughts, rage, all of those negative things. And then you're also trying to figure out your body's symptoms. Remember that whatever you're going through, you're not alone and ask for help, whether it's from your partner, if you have a partner, your parents, your friends, your community. I see moms posting on random Facebook groups. And I think that takes so much courage. They're just like, I'm so sorry. I can't put together dinner for my like kid. I'm a single mom, whatever their story is. And people will come together because nobody wants to see anyone suffering. And I think that when you are able to be vulnerable and ask for help, you'll see people step up who are happy to do that for you. I love that. I also love to share about different ways that you work with people. And so I know you do your one-to-one physio and coaching and would love for you to share also about prep and base. So people who might be listening are like, yeah, I really want to work with Sudabi. How can I actually do that? Amazing. So prep is my postpartum return to exercise program, which my next round starts on January 25th, 2022. So registration for that will be open in the new year. And it is an eight week program with the combination of live sessions, as well as pre-recorded sessions. And each week there's a new workout, which targets from the beginning of core and pelvic floor connection. Um, and right from the beginning, we beginning, we do functional movement patterns that are important for postpartum. So picking up squatting deadlifts, picking up your kids, postures, uh, a lot of it is preventing injury and pain as well. Back pain, neck pain, mommy wrists, or, you know, sore thumbs. Um, and then each of the weeks we progress. So we add in full body strengthening, we add in mobility exercises, and I teach people strategies. So if, if they're waking up with back soreness, they know which movements to do to alleviate that. So they're, they're kind of their own coaches. They're not depending on constantly asking others what to do. They understand what to do. We also go over diastasis recti, prolapse, leaks, um, and pain and how to manage those. And we talk a lot about how to ask for help, self-care mindset shifts that need to happen. And, um, you know, one of the sessions, we even talk about our own journeys and if people want to share their birth stories, they can. And I think it's, it's a small group. And I really find that it's a community. People really find that they're going through it together. And I have people anywhere from about five-ish weeks postpartum to two plus years postpartum joining because not everybody finds out about me or help, you know, early on postpartum and not everybody's ready. But what's beautiful is that no matter where they are in their journeys, they're able to come together and make the progress. So that is from January 25th to March the 15th. Um, And I can share with you the link for registration for that. And I also have BASE, which stands for Be Active, Strong, and Energized. I love acronyms, so BASE and PrEP. Uh, and BASE is a perfect, um, it's a fitness membership, and it's a monthly monthly membership for anybody who doesn't have active uh, symptoms, or they know how to manage their symptoms. Maybe they have some leaks, but they know strategies on how to manage it. And they're looking for consistent strength training that also incorporates that physiotherapy perspective of injury prevention and injury management. So it's not just pure strength training. We're targeting all of those stabilizing muscles. We're targeting all their, you know, rotator cuff, deep core um, that really help people feel strong. 
um, and ready to do things like running or more impact activities. And so it is also progressive where they get multiple options each week. And it's one workout a week. It's not like eight different workouts a week, because I think sometimes people think more choice is better. And you do one solid workout three, four times a week, and you're going to see more progress than if you're like, oh, which workout do I do now? Oh, like, let's take the decision, the overwhelm out of it. And I find I have moms going through it or in my membership now who are pregnant, who are trying to conceive and they're postpartum. And some have like, one has a 10 year old, one has an eight year old. Like they're not, they don't have to be recently postpartum. This is a pure strength and mobility program. And the equipment that people need are like dumbbells, resistance bands. It's all meant to be done at home. You don't need a fancy gym for it. So both of those, I will share the links with you. With base, it's an you can enroll anytime. I don't publicize the enrollment because it, um, I, I like to launch it at certain periods of time. But if you send me a message, I would be happy to um, tell you more about it and have you try it out. Yeah, no, that's great. We'll, we will for sure put those links in the show notes. And then also would love you to share more about Mom Strength, your podcast. I'm really excited about my podcast, on Mom Strength. I started it in the summer because I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. I love connecting with people in this format because it really allows us to understand people's journeys and see that we're not alone. And a lot of my listeners are maybe new moms or they're pregnant or they're practitioners like you and I, and it's really allowing people to see how much support there is. So I have like, I've had a parenting coach, I've had somebody for nutrition and it's fitness, pelvic health, and like everything mom related that could be impacting our lives. And I do a combination of solo episodes as well as interviews. Um, and honestly, each of the interviews, I'm just like in awe of the people who I, I get to interview, um, including you. And my goal with that is to show people how strong they are and remind them that they're not alone and that they have got this. Amazing. Well, I know so many people are going to jump to that podcast as well. We'll put the link in the show notes. And then how can people best find you online? I'm on Instagram at the passionate physio and I respond to every DM unless it's like, Hey, are you married? I just got that DM today. I'm like, really? Delete block. But I do respond to every DM and I love interacting with people. I'm on Instagram the most. You can send me an email, so to be at the passionate physio.ca. That's probably the best way to make sure that you get a response if you're trying to book in with me as well, um, because I prioritize responding to emails um, because sometimes you can get a lot of DMs. But both are fantastic options. My website is www.thepassionatephysio.ca. And it has information on ways you can work with me as well over there. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Surabi, for being on. It was so great. So many like gems in there that I know people are going to take away in terms of how to like navigate this whole postpartum period, which as now people know, is not just those first few weeks postpartum. It is much beyond that time. Thank you so much, Anita, for having me. This was an incredible conversation. And I feel like we could keep talking yeah. forever about this. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 